On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. It's Tall Can Audio. We're not here to take part, we're here to take over. Nice to be back in the car, man. Hello, everybody. Welcome inside episode 837 of the Tall Can Audio podcast. My name is Matt Robinson. Joined today, as we always are, on Thursday morning by Michaela Schreider. Should remind you that that's now a permanent change. That show used to be Friday morning. It is now Thursday morning. Uh, we've made that change to accommodate Michaela's new show, which we'll get into on this episode. And we are on Twitter and Instagram at TallCanAudio, Facebook.com slash TallCanAudio, wherever you're listening right now. Hit subscribe because we've got great new stuff coming for you. You're going to love it. You're going to want to be around. You're going to want to be here for that. And we want you to be here for that. Uh, this is just a quick opening. And you'll notice I haven't really let Michaela talk yet. There is a reason for that. Two things are about to happen as we had technical issues out the wazoo tonight. I should mention they are all on my end here in the studio as we continue to, guys, we got like eight kilometers of microphone cable running through here. One of them has an issue, still trying to figure out which one it is. So it caused a little bit of a problem today. So two things are going to happen. You're going to be dropped into the conversation that Michaela and I had about 40 seconds into it. The only thing you're going to miss is her opening the show, her giving the social media feeds that I just gave, and her asking me how I'm doing, because she's very thoughtful that way. We love Michaela. She's she's always looking out for other people's feelings, right? Um, at least when the hockey game isn't actually happening. So in reference to the loss that the Toronto Maple Leafs threw down earlier in the week in Game 7 against the Montreal Canadiens. She asked me how I was doing, and you will hear me answering that question. That's where you're going to get dropped in. So like I said, we lost about 40 seconds of audio at the very beginning. That's all you're missing. So this will be abrupt, but that's where you will be dropped in, is Michaela asking how I'm holding up. The second thing that you're going to notice is... For the first half hour or so of the podcast, you will be hearing the backup recording. So the audio is going to be, um, on my end, a little lower quality than you're used to. Certainly lower quality than the microphone you're hearing right now. Uh, Michaela still sounds the way she always sounds on her good microphone, but you're getting my backup recording. Abruptly, about 30 minutes in, you will hear my audio switch back to the good audio, to this microphone. Um, you won't hear it acknowledged or mentioned in the podcast. We just carry right on. Uh, and that's because that's the part of the audio that was salvaged. And, uh, at the time that this was all going on, we didn't really know we were having a problem. So at the beginning you have 
the backup recording and then for the second half and really the last two thirds of the podcast, the majority of the podcast, you will have the good audio uh, from this microphone, but that will change abruptly. You'll notice it immediately and it won't be addressed or explained on the show. I'm explaining it to you right now. So those are the two things that are going to happen. That's why I'm here explaining that all up front. These are technical issues. They are on my end. They are not the fault of our friend Michaela. Um, so I thought we would get that out of the way. Like I said, this conversation as you're going to be dropped into it is right after Michaela asks, how you doing, Matt? How you holding up after another game seven loss for the Toronto Maple Leafs? We'll get to that right now. I'll tell you how I'm doing. It's good. I'm good. Everything's, everything's really good here. Things everything's good. definitely normal. Things are great. Yeah. Nothing to report here. Nope. I I know you did an episode. I like Manoa pitching tonight. That's going to be There you fun. go. Is his mom going to be there? I hope so. Okay. I hope so. We, we were news. all Alec Manoa's mom last week. That was Yep. 100%. 100%. Uh, I don't know how much you want to get into it. I'll I'll leave this up to you because uh, I haven't talked to you formally on this podcast um, since the Leafs lost. Did a thing. Um, they, they did a thing. They did a thing. They we all the knew they were going to do the thing. Um, the, uh, Kyle Dubas and, and Brendan Shanahan spoke to the media today as we record this on Thursday. Anything in there that you thought was interesting? Um, I should tell everybody, in case you're not uh, partaking, I'm having a, a drink while we do this. Yes, this I was going to get. Oh, okay, I was going to get to the beer, but go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Well, why don't we do that first? Because I think this is fitting, and I am having because uh, it's summer now for Toronto Maple Leafs fans. The Saison Tropical. I am all in on the vacation style beer. Here we go. I'm in on the summer type of beer. I have moved away from the, the winter, spring type of beer. We're we're in done for the year mode here. So this is the Saison Tropical from Beyond the Pale. It is a 7.7%. Uh, yeah, that's kind of what we're doing here. Um, like farmhouse ale, obviously, like I said, it's a saison. Um, and they say, you know, strong hints of cantaloupe, passion fruit, and pineapple. You know, there's some of that coming through. Uh, probably the cantaloupe most of all. I always kind of laugh because I'm an immature child like this. It takes me back to uh, one of my favorite lines from Saved by the Bell. We, we may have talked about this. Were you a Saved by the Bell kid? Uh, I, I watched like the next generation, Okay, but my husband, who's also my age is a huge Saved by the Bell fan. All right. So there's a scene and I I don't remember because I haven't seen it since like 1991 or whatever, where Screech, I guess is, is going to run off and get married to, I think it might've been a teacher. I can't remember. And Mr. Belding yells at him, Screech, you cantaloupe. Who are you calling a cantaloupe melon head? (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah and so that for some reason whenever i hear the word cantaloupe i i just picture mr belding yelling so uh go watch save by the bell kids it's uh, it's great this is um it's all right it's fine it's getting me through like i said as we sit here today i had a feeling this was going to come up so 7.7 percent is what we're riding with today you got anything going on over there Sure do. Yeah, there you go. I am going with one of my favorite breweries, uh, and I've, I think I've I've made no bones about this uh, previously. Great Lakes Brewery down in Moxie, New England IPA. Wow. And I, I admittedly, it's not my first time trying it. I had it over the weekend. 
I may have had it the previous weekend as well. I picked up a few of them from the, the LCBO. Super tasty. Um, very much what you expect from a New England IPA. Right. Hop, super ju- jacked up. Bitterness, super jacked up. But at the same time, light and refreshing. It's sitting at a 6.5. So it's okay. not nothing. You're making up for last week. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's it's very, very tasty for anybody who likes that kind of style. And and again, I don't think I've ever had a beer from Great Lakes I didn't like. Right. So that's what we're going with today. I'm I'm not in as much of a I need to drink mode as you are. <laughs> um I will say though, and I, I, I think I said this before on the podcast, but I was I'm not gonna say cheering for if it you know, gun to my head I had to pick between the leafs and the habs. I wanted the Leafs to win this that's, one. That's we like that. So I hate them less. I guess okay. that's um, fascinating. And is this what it's like to to want this team to win and then just watch them inexplicably not win? Not yeah. win. Yeah, yeah. And, that's, and that's the deal. That's what I, we do. <laughs> I know you've probably talked about this enough at this point, and I don't want to pile. I on. haven't. This is the okay. thing. I knew this was coming. Okay. I, and and let me tell people something. And I can't imagine why you would be listening to this podcast if this is you. And that's maybe why I feel safe to talk about it right now. If you watch like one game a year or you're not a hockey fan at all, but this happens inevitably as a playoff series gathers steam, more and more people go jump on, right? It's more in the news. It's more of a big story. Now it's Toronto, Montreal. They set records on Sportsnet for viewership in this thing. If you are somebody who didn't watch a single game all year and who hasn't spoken to me in probably three or four years, maybe not since college in one case. Oh no. And you suddenly decide I dis I care tonight game seven. I'm going to watch. And you decide that's the time to text Matt. Oh, I remember Matt really liked the Leafs. Oh no. Can you believe they're blowing it? Shut up. (laughs) I don't need to hear from you right now person i haven't heard from in three and a half years person maybe i went to school with person i know couldn't possibly get shut it off went to bed like it was watching another episode of the y and the r or something got up carried on with their day the next day that's not the day to text somebody who is granted overly invested in this thing right i get it tonight you're a leaf fan I'm going to text another Leaf fan. That Leaf fan doesn't want to hear from you. Sorry. That's, no, that is warranted. You, I didn't even think may about draw, that. As you may be able to interpret, got a couple of texts I wasn't looking for on Monday morning <laughs> or Monday night and Tuesday morning. <laughs> that is a thing. It's, it's something that a lot of sports fans don't talk about, but this trend of friends and family members who are fringe hockey fans reaching out to you on the day or night of big games, that's right. a no-no. That needs right. to be something that we put out there as a big no-no because I don't think we talk <laughs> about it enough. Even I was getting texts from like my friends and family members who are Leafs fans, and I'm like, why do you... I get that you know I'm a hockey fan, but like, right. why do you think I'm the one to be texting right. here? <laughs> so like, I had that extra ugh. little thing going on. Um, and beyond that, I really haven't talked that much about it. I think you, uh, it, people may have caught it on Monday night after the game, took people out on the balcony for my annual flag lowering ceremony. And uh, if people hadn't caught that, we've talked about it a couple times on the podcast. Maybe it's with Rob, maybe it was with you, but I, I, 
I hang this giant flag on my balcony here in Ottawa. And it is strictly forbidden at our very upscale condo building or whatever. It's supposed to all be kept uniform, right? And then this year, even the whole building got an email about two weeks before the playoffs that I'm sure was just for me. Hey, everybody, remember, keep those balconies uniform. Don't be hanging stuff. No garden stuff, but really don't be hanging stuff. Like it was clearly for me, but sent to everyone. It's just a general reminder. I put it up anyway, because. You know, maybe I didn't get that email. Maybe somebody else snuck up onto my seventh floor balcony and put it up, and I had no idea. It, it could have been anybody, right? I have to go every year and in shame take that flag down. So I choose to do it at maximum rage right after the game happens. Because if I wait until the next day, it's daylight and there's people walking by, and I'm in Ottawa, so they all want to see me do what is essentially that post-Halloween walk of shame, right? Where, oh, that person's walking home, still clearly in a costume they wore last night. I wonder what you... No, not giving you that satisfaction. I will go out there, usually infuriated or depressed or something, and I will do it at like midnight <laughs> or whatever. And this year... Decided I'm just going to take the uh, the AirPods with me. Going to record my stream of consciousness. Going to let y'all know what I think as I go through this. Just the indignity of this ritual year after. Year. And I know at some point it's going to come down. Could it be in the second round once in a while? No. So that's episode. I, I don't even know. Eight thirty six. I think. Uh, me on the balcony. It's titled the annual flag lowering ceremony. Uh, you can listen to that wherever you're listening to this right now. That's, that's how I'm doing. Uh, okay. That's the extent of the conversations I've had about this though. I haven't wanted to talk about it. I haven't wanted to hear about it. It's just, I I've been on Twitter enough to see that it's, it's not a very <laughs> mentally healthy place right now. No, it's no, it's flirty. uh well, you're, the, the fan base is doing exactly what you expected them to do. Mm -hmm. um, that's that's pretty much it. And we'll get into maybe some of the the players and and you sure. know whether or not some of this criticism is justified. I, I think the answer is no, given the amount of criticism that they're getting and personal. Yeah, but you're right. but we'll yeah, get we'll get into that. I just there's one thing I got to talk about, and and I, again, I'm not piling on here. I just. You know, I've I've had a sounds lot of like sympathy. That, <laughs> sounds like something someone does pile on. Pile on. <laughs> yeah. um, I've had a lot of sympathy for my Leafs fan friends. That includes you. Obviously, my husband is a Leafs yeah. fan, and and yeah. you know sometimes you all right? we 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 weren't allowed to talk about it until last night. So he's he's slowly recovering. The grieving yeah. process is is you know yeah. flowing through. He's getting um, at the acceptance stage. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Exactly. And and you know, as much as I hate the Leafs. My husband being happy for a brief period of time is, is something that I don't mind right. every now and then. And I've also talked about the fact that I, I do respect uh, Kyle Dubas and this organization and what they've done. Obviously, they hired my hero, Haley Wickenheiser, all that stuff. Like there's yep. there's a million different reasons for, for me to not want pain for my least fan friends. Right. But. Yep. My childhood trauma of... Four out of five years, really five years, but four out of five years in particular, where the Sens were one of the best teams in the regular season yep. and just couldn't get it done in the playoffs and usually lost to the Leafs. Yep. But they, they developed this reputation Simpler and I heard it nonstop 
of chokers and couldn't get it done in the playoffs, couldn't perform under pressure, all this stuff. Every bit of that comes flooding into my brain. I bet. When we think about what just happened with the Toronto Maple Leafs, and I get this is arguably the first year that they've really been expected to win a series, Mm -hmm. like the favorites. I think you could make a case for the fact that against Boston all three times and Washington. Yep. It wasn't as at least as heavily favored, if at all. Right. So a little bit of me is like, you know what? Karma's a bitch. Yeah, Um, I get it. (laughs) On the other hand, I get that, you know, this is also getting ridiculous at this point that this team just can't seem to get it done. Cause it was, it was inexplicable why this team, like you watched this team and I, I'm, I made a weird analogy this morning. I was talking to a friend of mine and, and I, I said, like, it looked like all their players had just given blood for how much right. energy they had. Like they were literally anemic out there. Mm-hmm. Just absolutely. I, I hate to use the term no killer instinct. Cause it's so hard to quantify, but like, that's, that's how it felt. Right. Like they, 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 there was just nothing that I know the, the game six overtime, everyone talks about how they dominated the first 15 minutes. Yeah. But they were sending wiffle balls at price. Like right. even the chances they were getting, they weren't dangerous. Like how, how do you, how do you explain what the hell happened? And I, I realize I'm, I'm probably answering the same question. I'm asking the same question that's gone on in your brain. Welcome like, to my brain. Yes. What the, what is going on, man? It's been almost 48 hours of, how (laughs) like what happened how did we do it this time and like you said we can get into it why don't we why don't we punt the leaf stuff towards the end for those who've heard enough about it we got other stuff we can go in depth on it um whether it be leaf fans who just don't want to hear about it anymore whether it be other hockey fans or sports fans who don't care we will get to it because you have asked the question that has absolutely been running through my head and i i am i'm up for getting into it but we got we got other interesting stuff to hit here, and I want to start here. I want to ask you, because we are now, at least here in Ottawa, just two days away from the debut episode of She's Got Game, starring our pal Michaela Schreider. Um, and it will debut across the TSN radio network throughout the weekend. I don't know all the times. You might. And uh, what can you tell us? About episode one, which will air here on Friday night, I believe you said six o'clock. Yes, TSN twelve hundred Fridays at six. There's some time periods in June, uh, no July uh, during Euro twenty 2020, twenty 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 one, where that will be a little messed up. But but TSN twelve hundred uh, will be Fridays at six. I have the Montreal time not in front of me, so I'll, I'll pull that up for later. I believe I but saw that was Saturday at 3 o'clock. I believe yes. your co-host Robin uh, posted that. That is correct. So TSN 690 in Montreal, Saturdays at 3, and then the other networks will will air it, I think, mostly on Saturday. I think Edmonton might be Sunday, but um, yeah. We'll, we'll so, post it. So we'll post it. What, what, can we, what are you allowed to tell us about episode one of She's Got Game coming this weekend on the TSN radio network? So episode one is going to feature an interview with Kaylee Humphreys, uh, who used to uh, be a member of uh, Team Canada in bobsled. She transferred over to Team USA. She gets into why in our interview with her. And and I have to say, like, it was probably the most interesting 20-minute interview 
I've done in my life because I, I'll admit, like I had certain pre preconceived notions about what happened and, and what was covered in the media. And, you know, as Canadians, we love to get on our high horse and, and say, traitor. That might be the national sport. Yeah. On a high horse. hundred percent. And, and that definitely um, went through a lot of people's minds and she gets into why, and that there was a little bit of, um, I don't want to say sabotage, but pretty close to sabotage. Shenanigannery. Shenanigannery going on on uh, a certain a certain side, and uh, you know there was there was actually some pretty serious stuff going on with her in Team Canada, and and she had to get out. So um, she talks about that. It's it's a really really moving interview. She's very. You know, she she talks about how lucky she is to be in this situation because she married an American, so she was able to to transfer and and yeah. hopefully it's not like if she's a free agent, people to switch countries yeah. or whatever. You have to have the, an ability to do so. And she is still waiting for um, American citizenship so that she can compete in the Olympics. But all you know, hopefully she gets that. And and uh, you know, th- this interview is just. I'm sorry, but still, as a Canadian, hopefully she doesn't. Like, <laughs> I, you know what, man? Like, I would have said the same before this interview, and after this I know, interview, I I'm a hundred percent on her side, and right. and I want nothing but the. I'm best looking for forward her. to hearing that. That's it's. Uh... It was really, really interesting. We're also going to talk to Sloane Martin, and uh, we don't have. So we'll talk about some of the other things going on mm-hmm. uh, in the world of sports right now. We'll we'll talk about the Naomi Osaka situation. Mm-hmm. Probably touch on some NWSL stuff, um, but with the interviews, we have a lot of a time um, taken up already. And and one thing I, I've completely forgotten about uh, radio is that we have time limits. Right. Uh, unlike unlike the podcast that I'm a part of, where I can just ramble for as much sure, as yeah. I want, uh, I'm, I I have to be told to shut up at That'd some point. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, but we've got we've got interviews uh, with Hillary Knight and Natalie Spooner and Kate Burness. And uh, Casey Bellamy, we've got a ton of great interviews uh, coming up in the next couple of weeks. So, so that's that's episode one, and then you know a little teaser for the subsequent episodes. Yeah, and those I imagine, um, you know, if you can't catch them live, if you don't live in one of the cities that has a TSN radio station, I'm sure they'll go up as podcasts to be able to search for uh, yeah. Shigaking and uh and find them there and that starts this weekend this is gonna be awesome this weekend yeah yeah big weekend yeah i'm pretty pretty excited robin and i are very very excited it's uh something i think we've both wanted to do for a while is cover women's sports Mm -hmm. and especially on a national level um so it's it's nice to finally see this come to fruition well speaking of women's sports i'm going to promote the next episode of this podcast as well as on episode 838, we're going to drop this on Friday morning. Been talking about it for a while, but things kept getting in the way, kept coming up. But our friend Amy Burke is finally back on the show on Friday morning. That's in the can. It's been recorded. You will get that on Friday morning. Our longtime listeners, uh, we get a ton of great feedback when Amy comes on. She's got a great personality. She's willing to say whatever. Um, and for those who maybe are a little bit newer around here, that is the voice that brings you in and out of many of these episodes. Um, and uh, Amy's a three-time Canadian Paralympian, competed in Beijing, London, and Rio. And, you know, as things stand right now, looks like she's on her way to Tokyo. And I will say, just to kind of tee this up, because we have I've gotten a couple of messages about it. And a couple of, maybe snarky would be overstating it, maybe it wouldn't. But a couple of tweets that have suggested you know, while I'm publicly supporting Amy and and sharing the things that she's doing, I'm also railing hard against the idea that these games are going to happen 
at all. And so when we sat down to do this show, at least publicly, it's sort of an elephant in the room, right? Mm-hmm. Like she knows that she's seen it on my social media feeds. She knows how, I, but far more importantly than that, her and I have talked about it a hundred times. And sometimes mm-hmm. you just have to let it drop. The tension gets to a point where you're just like, it is what it is. And you and I aren't going to decide what the IOC and the IPC do this summer. Um, and so you just let it go. But at the same time, you know, I'm publicly saying one thing. She's publicly sharing other things about, you know, getting excited for these things. And and so I brought it up on the show that that I've received some questions and some people asking if I'm feeling a little hypocritical or or whatever. And so I brought it up with her. And honestly, I think I think her answer to that, and I just straight it out, you know, do, do you get mad when you see me doing that? Do you feel like I'm not supporting you? Do you I think her answer to that? is going to shock a lot of people, is going to be really surprising on how she feels about some of this as she continues to prepare as she goes. And I would highly recommend, because I'm not going to tell you now, that you check out episode 838 of Tall Can Audio on Friday with our pal Amy Burke. That is what we call in the biz a tease, That's right. That's right. Very nice tease. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we talk all the time she's a very close friend she knows where i stand i know where she stands but it was one of those things when you sit down to do a show like this and and she's done enough of them and, and been on enough at some point you're gonna have to bring it up right you're gonna have to address it uh publicly and and she was willing to do that as well so we obviously get into a bunch of other stuff with her as well about what it's been like trying to train through this how to prepare through this um she's also a mom and you know uh, suddenly her training time gets infringed upon by kids are home from school, right? Uh, there's a lot going on. So mm-hmm. um, really interesting chat with uh, with Amy. And as always, she was outgoing and honest. And I think people are going to enjoy that. So that'll be episode 838 on Friday morning. You'll have time to listen to that before She's Got Game comes at you at 6 o'clock on Friday night. Love it. Can't wait for that. Right on. Uh, one thing I know we wanted to talk about today, Matt, um, and I think you have quite a few things to say about it, is the Naomi Osaka situation. Uh, so for those who haven't been following along this roller coaster ride, I believe we mentioned it last week we did. Um, where Naomi Osaka came out and said, hey, I am not going to be doing any media during Rolling Garros or the French Open. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not good for my mental health. And, you know, I, it, it puts athletes in a position to doubt themselves and I'm not going to do it. Un- unsurprisingly, she was then fined. By she not, knew she she put she right she in her gonna, statement. Yeah. I hope when they find me, they put that money to somewhere useful, which I'm exactly. sure they won't. They're just going to pocket it. But she, as you said, then was subsequently fined. Yeah, so 15k, she was fined uh, by the French Open, and 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 in fact, four Grand Slams ended up coming out and saying, "Hey, we're going to throw down further sanctions on you." I don't. Yeah. I know the further sanctions are in the rule book. Don't know what the next level was of the further sanctions that she did. Like she didn't do anything after she was fined. She paid the fine. Like, I don't know Mm -hmm. where the further sanctions came from, but anyway, they said, Hey, we're going to throw down further sanctions on you. So, uh, earlier this week, she actually withdrew from the French open, uh, citing that she, she released a a statement on, on Twitter. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's quite long. So she talked about the fact that, um, you know, she, she didn't want to be a distraction. She didn't know that it would become this big of a deal. Um, she didn't want to trivialize mental health. She talked about the fact that she has suffered from depression since the U S open in 2018 and she's not fully, you know, been herself. 
um, and just how difficult being around media can be for her mental health. Um, so because of all that and, and everything that's happened, she withdrew from the tournament and that's kind of where things stand right now. Where do you sit on, uh, on this situation with Naomi Osaka, Matt? Um, I guess what I would say, and again, this is going to require some nuance listener. So bring your ear nice and close. There's no time for nuance. No, just scream your hot takes. And, uh, I think that it is possible for me to be extremely disappointed for Naomi Osaka to have to go through this and to have to withdraw from one of the biggest competitions of the year and to think that all of that happened due to someone else's ignorance is brutal, while at the same time being happy that this is going to hurt the French Open, that they have lost a number two player in the world who draws money, who draws ratings, who draws attention, I think... All the French Open, all Roland Garros had to do was not suck. And they couldn't do it. They just decided, no, we have to suck. We're going to stick to that. And now they're going to pay a price. Now, as an individual, Naomi Osaka is paying a price here. But I think that it's possible in my spiteful little head, I actually have kind of an oversized head, Mm -hmm. that... As long as she's going to suffer, it's good that they're going to suffer too, because you have taken a huge piece of the women's tour out of one of their marquee events. And I was, um, I was going to say livid. I don't know if it's the right word, but we're in the neighborhood when I saw the other three Grand Slam events line up to, right? The, The Wimbledon, the Aussie Open. And uh, the U.S. Open, well, if you're not going to do it there, maybe we won't let you play here. Fuck off is sort of where my head is at with that, to be blunt, right? And I, it's not like I don't understand the media side of it, but you can interview her some other time. She never said, I'm not going to speak to the media ever again. And if you're so piss poor at your job that you can't write a summary of what you saw that day without her rather generic quote from a podium 20 minutes after her match, that might be on you. Yeah. Be better at your job. I do understand we're at a tipping point, and I brought it up when this came up uh, last week, um, that these athletes are so rich and so wealthy now that they can all afford the fines. And so you may end up in a slippery area where nobody speaks and they just go, you know, I got $15 million. I'll, I'll release whatever I want. I'll do a podcast. I'll speak to someone I want to speak to and have them interview me and ask me the question. I suppose we could head in that direction, but I also believe most of these athletes or a large portion of these athletes kind of enjoy the attention, right? You've been this good since you were, a kid, you've, you're used to some sort of media attention. This is one athlete who said, this is not good for me. I don't want to do this, um, at least not in the way that it's set up at these major competitions. But if you reach out to me, you know, in between tournaments or, you know, after I've had a little time to calm down, um, you know, maybe we can sort something out. 
I just have no time at all for this. Well, if you won't come and bark bullshit from a podium 20 minutes after your match, we won't let you play here. I think that's crap. I, I think it sucks. And um, in this situation, I'm fully behind Naomi Osaka. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I listen. No, none of these Grand Slam turn, tournaments ever get to say that they take mental health seriously. Nope. nope. Because of this. If they did, they would not have handled things the way they did. I get that the fines and the further sanctions are in their rule book. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't know where the further sanctions came from because she didn't do anything after that. No. But I get that the fine is part of the rule book. She fully expected that. Yeah, she said, I'm going to be fined. I get it. Like, But then to treat her this way afterwards and basically threaten her, mm-hmm. you know, threaten to f- disqualify her or whatever they were going to do. Like, so you, someone comes to you and says, I, my mental health is such that I cannot do post-game interviews right, right now. Right. So your solution is to threaten them. <laughs> that, how is that going to help their mental yeah. health? This is such a backwards ass way of looking yes, at things it is. and solving things. And I, listen, I get that. And I've made the argument before for athletes that, hey, doing media is part of your job. Yes, it is. And, and doing media is... It is what grows the game Mm -hmm. and it is what helps you ultimately make money. Yep. That being said, the post game press conference needs to be reevaluated here. And I get that reporters need it for their job for, you know, a one line quote or something, excuse me, one line quote in their story. But like, can we not reevaluate how we do this? Can we not look at it? Because the reason these reporters ask such stupid questions is because the post-game press conferences are boring. Yes. These athletes are saying the same thing over and over again. So, so these reporters ask snippy questions to try mm-hmm. and get a reaction out of them and get something interesting. Well, and at the I risk, think that's what's led to this. At the risk of doing what I do far too often and pulling it back to to hockey as we sit here and record this right now it's locker clean out day for the Leafs right so everyone's called out to the podium plus the GM the president the coach all this when Zach Hyman was um being interviewed today on the the zoom podium I think it was Terry Koshan from the Sun I could be wrong um but he's obviously being asked you know again why didn't the group get over the hump why didn't the whatever and he's just going through the motions right like what do you want me to say right now I'm in a yeah and then they're asking you know you're an unrestricted free agent are you going to be back of course I'd like to be back I'll talk to my agent talk to Kyle blah 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 goddamn blah and then again I th- I think it was Terry Koshan and I could be wrong who said I know this is a little off topic Zach and it has very little to do with what just happened in this series but it looks like the Olympics are going to go ahead with an empty stadium. What kind of advice would you have for athletes in terms of getting prepared, getting your own energy level up, getting that competitiveness in an empty stadium? And I wouldn't say he got excited because he's pretty bummed about what just happened, but he perked up a little. All right, this is something different, right? This is something a little more interesting. This is something that I wasn't necessarily expecting, And we can talk about this a little bit. Now, maybe it was just, he knows he's only got to answer 10 questions. And one of them is at least not about (laughs) sucking again this year. But I think part of it was, okay, that's interesting. Why don't we talk about that for a minute and, and see what, you know, where that goes. And at least that question 
Like, there's been a million articles already written about the Leafs. There's going to be a million more, and they're asking every player on the team the same 12 questions over and over. Here's one that was a little different that, you know, maybe will be constructive, maybe it won't. What Zach Hyman can tell someone preparing to run the 100-meter dash in an empty stadium, I don't know. But I thought it was a legitimate question based on the season that they just finished, and it was different, and it was interesting, and you got a different and more interesting answer from Zach Hyman. I think sometimes... What you said is correct. Athletes give shitty, repetitive answers because they're asked shitty, repetitive questions. And if you put just a tiny bit of thought or... I understand when you have to do this 82 times and then however many times in the playoffs it's hard to come up with a new question every time. Don't put your hand up, right? Like, mm-hmm. don't step forward if you don't have anything interesting to ask. And I just think little things like that sometimes can even make the difference in not having such brutal interactions with the media. It's just... Hey, could you just weigh in on this thing? Because this other thing's about to happen. What would your thoughts be there? And what would you say? I don't know. I thought it changed the vibe a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Like, like again, may, maybe changing the the format of the press conferences is as simple as I don't know submitting your questions in advance so people can determine whether or not they're crap, or or <laughs> just reporters being. Take, taking five extra minutes to think about an interesting question. Naomi, I don't did you know. give 110 percent today? Oh Jesus! Like, <laughs> did you get pucks in deep, Naomi? <laughs> oh my God! I swear to God. And and I know that I think we're a little biased because hockey players in particular are a special kind of dull. They really are. Male hockey players, anyway. Fe- yeah, right. Female hockey players are actually quite interesting because they don't get the coverage that men do. It's true. So they I don't have to they, do this 82 times a year and. You know, when they get some attention on their sport, they want to make sure people remember and make people want to watch and, you know. exactly. Yeah, they have something to say. I, Hillary and I also brought up a really good point in uh, teaser, the interview we did with her for She's Got Game. Um, the rest of TCA from now on, Michaela's <laughs> is going to be name drops all over the place. <laughs> well, <laughs> yesterday I was speaking to you Hillary. You need some help picking up those names you just dropped. Um she talked about like I, I'm all we asked her about are, are you sick and tired of of answering the question of what what is happening to women's hockey where is women's hockey going the growth of the game blah 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 and she brought up a really good point she's like if if we weren't in the process of building women's hockey up to the level that we think it should be yeah I'd probably be tired of answering those questions but because we're doing this mm-hmm. because we're we're part of something that that is moving the game forward. I think it makes sense that we're asked these questions. Right. And I think it, that just really struck me as I feel like female hockey players are are a little more aware of the impacts of their words whereas because it's more less entitled. Yeah. There, there is that, yeah. right? And I think like I'll I'll sympathize a little bit with male hockey players, at least NHL players where okay, it is very repetitive, right? They've sure. got to do this after 82 games and I'm sure it gets repetitive and I'm sure it gets annoying. But sometimes you do need to check your privilege a little bit mm-hmm. and and think of how grateful you are that you get to do it, that people give a crap what you think right. and what you want to say because there are other athletes out there who would kill for that. For sure. And and I know that that point kind of counteracts what Naomi Osaka is doing, but I think that's separate. I think someone coming to you and saying, hey, I am not in a good mental space and cannot do this right now. I think we need some flexibility in these sports right. to allow for that. Right. Right. Like, why, why does it have to be, if you don't do this, you get fined? Why can't, like, if you had a doctor's note for a broken arm, 
mm-hmm. wouldn't have to go to work right. or you or you'd be put on modified or something, right? Sure. You can get out of things in your job if you are not fit to do them. Why isn't that afforded to athletes in these situations? And I, I just I think that the there was an opportunity here for Roland Garros and and Grand Slam tournaments in general to take not a step suck. forward and be progressive. <laughs> And and to just not suck, yeah. Let's see, to your point, just just not suck. But in like, instead they they, I don't know. They kind of showed what dinosaurs they are. Yeah. And I, I never, I do not want to hear them talk about how we value mental health no, ever. No, no more. You know, no certain ribbon days for mental health. No, no acknowledgments here and there. No proceeds go to. Well, still do the pro, but we don't believe you anymore, no. right? You've had the chance with one of the biggest stars in the sport. And you went and sucked. You, you, you had to have it your you way. Suck. Yeah. A little bit of that going on. On a lighter note, Matt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then this is going to be the worst transition uh, ever. Yeah, we'll see. But there's always bad transitions <laughs> out, of, out of these topics. Um, we got some CFL news this stuff. week. Yeah. yeah. We got some CFL news this week for yeah. the first time in a while. The Edmonton football team in the CFL now has a name. They are, wait for it. The Edmonton Elks thoughts. I don't hate it. I will tell you this. I would have preferred, since grammatically it is correct, both elk and elks means plural. I would have preferred Edmonton elk. It's got a stronger or something to it than the elks, right? That... I understand that's a minor gripe out of the names that were submitted and that they'd narrowed down their top seven, top 10, whatever it was. They had weird shit in there. There was the Edmonton energy and I guess that's an oil thing, but it sounds more like the name of the, you know, the cheer squad or something like that. I didn't mind it. I don't mind. Again, I'd prefer Edmonton elk, but I don't hate it. I think you could have done better if you weren't married to the double E, right? And that's mm. on the side of the helmet and on the shoulder patches and that that forever has been the logo. And so you could tell they badly wanted to keep that. And I don't know, I, I guess I'd ask your opinion whether or not that should be important, but I can tell you for as long as I can remember watching CFL long before I actually cared when it would just sometimes be on on CBC on Sunday afternoon, you can remember seeing that double E and so it's not like I don't understand. It's not like it's that different from what they did here with the Red Blacks and the Renegades and the R Nation and the Rough Riders, right? You wanted to keep that R in there. What do you think of it? And and do you think they'd have been better off or maybe could have come up with a better name had they not been married to the, the double E logo? Well, the double E thing is interesting because I always assumed it was to save on rebranding of things. Yeah. And I yet they have still new use helmets, helmets anyway. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. I, I agree. I mean, like, why why be married to the double E other than saving money on rebranding? <laughs> uh, sure, like, I, I hesitate to have opinions on new oh, names because here. <laughs> we're, we're like, we always do this when something new comes out in sports, when like it's a new name or a new jersey, we're like, I am enraged about this <laughs> and here is why. And then we all just settle in and you accept see, it. Like, it. remember how what, outraged people were when Red Blacks was... We, yeah. we found out what red is blacks red is going to be the same. Yeah. And, and here we are. Let's go red blacks. Like, you know, <laughs> that became a thing, right? Like, 
there was a language thing that that wasn't a language. And there's, well, we're going to be the Red Blacks. We're going to stick to that. It took like three months of uproar. And it was, well, sometimes we'll be the Rouge et Noir. And, and again, it starts yeah. with R, so who cares? And what? But it became a thing, right? Like people get all fired up about it. You get it. used to it. Yeah. You, you adapt. Like yeah. we all accept it. And Ottawa is one of the worst cities for that. Everything that happens here, we have to be outraged about for five minutes. <laughs> I am with you on, and I never thought that I would be Googling the plural is it elk. elks or yeah. elk yeah i did the same welcome to 2021 forever i, I swore it was going to be elk they said elks i'm like that's wrong that's not right the plural of elk is elk not elks you look it up and like, oh i guess it's both i had that moment where i was like surely to god surely to god <laughs> this is not <laughs> an issue like, I, i'm way. missing something they are not there is no way well, i more went to that like maple leaf thing it. right like why it's not maple leaves and why okay because they're individual players is an elk. Does it now become, no, it's not that complicated. Just they just work. went with the other. Yes. But I'm with you in that. I, I love when sports teams are, um, something not plural, right? Like the Seattle Kraken, the, the Seattle storm, the lightning, the Colorado the avalanche, thunder. the Minnesota wild, sure, the yeah. Phoenix Mercury. Like I love Toronto it. rock. Yeah, it's 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 strong. It's yep. it's very European, yep. and it it just feels very strong. And I I would have I think Edmonton Elk would have sounded really cool. Yeah, um, Elks kind of sounds like an AHL team, but <laughs> again, who cares? Right. Like we're gonna we're gonna get used to it. We're gonna. I still hate them. <laughs> still don't like the team or the city. Sorry, people in Edmonton, but your city's boring. Um, Damn, just throwing it down. Today. I I have a personal vendetta against Edmonton. That's coming through why. loud and clear right now. I have to go. Josh's best friend lives there, and so I have been to Edmonton more times than I care to admit. And every time I go to Edmonton, my first plan is leave Edmonton. <laughs> like we get there and we go, okay, where are we going? We're going to drive down to Calgary. We're going to drive to Banff. We're going to drive out to BC. Like we're leaving the city. Oh, I heard the <laughs> no Rocky Mountains are right there. It's like three hours away. I know, but according to Edmonton the, is pretty uh, desolate. the draw for the, the bubble last year with the NHL, they kept showing pictures of the Rockies like they were right there beside downtown Edmonton, which was a, a bit of a meme for a while because, yeah, no, they're not, right? Like if, We went to, to your point, I can remember going with a group once to Saskatoon and uh, my buddy had these shirts made on the back that said running back to Saskatoon, right? The old Guess Who tune. And uh, we got there and we're walking down to a pub or something for lunch and a woman stops us and said to Rob, actually, I believe it was running back to Saskatoon. What do you do when you get here? He just looked at her and goes, leave as soon as possible. <laughs> Man, I, I, I say it jokingly half-heartedly, I guess. Um, cause I know people in Edmonton are going to come at me, but there's some cities that are just kind of, you know, it's fun to rip on. Hey, people do it with Ottawa too. Yeah, so. Of course. It's supposed to be Whatever. like the most dull city in North America, Ottawa. Like, yeah. so I'm sure people in Edmonton hate Ottawa too. But anyway, no, they, all that is to say, congratulations, Edmonton. It is a very name. CFL name. Of course it is. It's like in that, in that regard, they hit the nail on the head. Like Ed, Edmonton energy would not have been a CFL name. Edmonton Elks. That's fine. That's an, uh, that's a CFL name. Lever Sage brought up a really good point on TSN 1200 because he's convinced that the XFL and CFL there's going to be some kind of merger. Yeah. So that team, he said, you know, teams want to keep See, the themselves. Elks is vague. not an XFL name. <laughs> it's a CFL. And it's, name. but it's also, you know, more importantly, it's not specific to Canada. 
it's not specific to like, to, you know, yeah, there are elk in that area. That's, that's yeah. pretty much it. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it leaves itself easily open to slide into another league, right. I guess. So that's a, I didn't think about that point. He's a downer. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of CFL fans heard that and went, what the fuck, Yeah, man? we're not doing that. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have that. a little bit of hope, Let's for not sure. not getting into this. Right. Well, um, are you ready to talk about it? I'm ready to talk about it. I, Let's um, talk about it. I got to tell you, I've run in circles on this thing for a while, and it might be no more complicated then Matthews and Marner went cold at the wrong time. That might be it. There might be no more to it than that. And what you want to do about that, it, it Twitter wants to trade Marner. Um, I think that's going to be difficult in terms of creating a little cap flexibility. In ter- like, it's not like I don't get it. He's gone 18 games without a playoff goal. He looked just completely rattled through most of games five, six, and seven. But he also just finished, you know, whatever it was, top four, top five in in points in the NHL this season. If I was, uh, now, I should say, in all of these press conferences that just happened, uh, and mainly and most importantly, the one from Shani and the one from Dubis, they made it sound like they were bringing the big four back. And they weren't going to break it up. If it was me, and I'm sure Kyle will, I'd look at everything. I'm not screaming to trade Mitch, because I think those trades are hard to win. And I don't need to tell Senators fans about trading superstars for pieces. Um, and how that usually goes. Now, sometimes you get some okay pieces. I'm not even trying to be that guy. I'm just saying it's hard to win that trade for Mark Stone or for whatever, for Max Pacioretty, right? For Eric Carlson. For, it's hard to win that trade. You might do okay in that trade. It looks like the Sens are going to be okay in those trades that they made, but I'm not sure that they won them, right? That's always going to be the hardest part. I think it's hard to win those trades. I don't think you do win those trades. And I think a lot of the talk right now is hurt. That said, he's got $10.893 million on the cap. If Buffalo said we'll do him for Eichel one for one, I'd be listening. I don't expect that, but I'd be listening. But that's the type of thing you have to do. It's got to be star for star with Mitch, I think. I don't think you can do yet at 24 the... But there is something there. He looks rattled. He looks... And the other thing, I guess, in defense of Kyle, which I don't have a lot of because I'm kind of annoyed with how much he kind of caved to the caveman version of things this year. Um, When those deals were signed, it was under the expectation that the cap would continue to go up and up and up and up like it has done since it's been instituted. And so last year it would have went from, you know, at the end of the 2020 season, it would have went from 81.5 where it is now to, I don't know, 83.5, 84, let's say somewhere in that neighborhood. At the end of this season, especially now with the new US TV deal, you'd probably be into the neighborhood of 86, 86 and a half. And that's no different than what all kinds of teams have done over the course of, of history where you have some stars eating up huge portions of the cap when they're first signed, but as the cap grows, those numbers become more digestible, right? Washington, 
um, when they signed Ovi to that huge deal, it was like 13 equivalent to $13 million right now, which is more than any Leaf is making, right? I think when he signed those deals, now it's a gamble. There was never a guarantee the cap would continue to go up and up, but it always had. So he rolled the dice, signed all those guys, and then the apocalypse hit and oh my God, right? Here we are. Tavares goes down, Muzzin goes down, those guys go cold and you're done. That was the extent of it. I don't like... I don't think, I, I think he leaned way too hard into the anti-analytics thing this year with Simmons, yeah. with Thornton, with Bogosian. Now, Bogosian, I thought was very good, way better than I expected at the price that they paid for him. Then at the deadline, did it again, right? Went after Felino instead of Hall because we got a penalty kill. We got to defend leads. We need that kind of, I didn't see Taylor Hall being as good as he became again suddenly in Boston. I also didn't see Nick Felino getting hurt and barely being able to move and, and giving you nothing. The Nick Felino deal, as I said in my very sad balcony cast, um, what, uh, Nick Felino, what you paid for him, if you go deep and he's able to give you a little bit, you know, maybe it's possible. When you get bounced in the first round and he's hobbling around, can barely move, looks like a terrible deal. That's the risk you run. That's the gamble that this always was. Um, and I said on trade deadline day or the first show we did afterwards, I didn't mind bringing in Nick Felino, but you paid too much for him. Um, and all of that to me was leaning into, and I think if you, if you, I think that was Shanny telling Kyle, no, no, more of the other side now. I've supported you. I've done this with you. We need a little more of the other stuff. And by the end of it, Jumbo couldn't skate. Felino can barely move. Simmons contributed almost nothing this year. At least before when the Leafs were getting bounced by the Bruins, I knew what they were and what they were trying to be, right? They were all ta- all talent, all skill, run and gun, let's go. As your guys advance and get better, maybe that works. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it was never going to work in the, the way they call the games in the playoffs. But I don't know what they were this year. And once Tavares went down and you had brought in all the other stuff, right? The penalty killers and the defenders and the experience, you didn't have any punch left. And, you know, once, I guess that's obviously in in combination with Matthews and Marner going cold, which is unacceptable. Like you got to hold those guys responsible for that. But you can handle it if Willie playing the way he did in this series is also alongside Tavares, right? Who's probably also then going, and that's sort of the whole point. They're not all four going to go cold at once. Tavares and Willie, they're going. You can play Mitch and, and Austin a little less. Once Tavares goes down, now it's Nylander and Kerfoot or whatever you're doing. And Kerfoot had the series of his life. I'm not trying to crap up, but he's not Sean Tavares. So... I guess I'm rambling here a little bit, but this is sort of the, the the thing that I've been doing since the game ended. I got people talking about trading Mitch Marner for Seth Jones. The Leafs Oof. finished the regular season having allowed the sixth fewest, uh, sixth lowest goals against average in the league. In the playoffs, it was third lowest. I know what the old narrative is, but if you didn't bother to watch the games, 
I don't have time for your opinion. Defense was not the issue. They couldn't score, and you want to trade one of the best point getters in the league. He didn't perform, but trading him now for another defenseman means you didn't watch shit this year. I can sense I'm getting a little wound up. (laughs) But I don't know what we're doing here, right? I don't know. You can't, I, I think people are just super pissed or super disappointed, super sad, whatever it might be. And somebody's got to pay is sort of the, the point here. If you wanted to trade Marner for Matthew Kachuk, or you wanted to trade Marner for Jack Eichel, or you want to do something like that to change the mix, to change what they bring a little bit, I have time for that. But that article that Pierre Lebrun put in The Athletic on Tuesday morning with comments from other NHL general managers just showed me they didn't watch the fucking games. Defense wasn't a problem. Goaltending wasn't a problem. We didn't score. And your idea is trade the like fourth leading point getter in the league? Uh, I I understand what the narrative has been around this team for a long time. That wasn't the team this year. That wasn't the problem in this series. You can go now. I'm sorry. <laughs> I I'm with you in that. Like, what do you change? Everything on this lineup has been addressed. They have the scoring. Mm-hmm. They have the physicality that the Neanderthals demanded. <laughs> they have the defense. They got great goaltending from Jack Campbell. Maybe. It doesn't take one playoffs to win a Stanley Cup. Maybe it sometimes takes a couple years. Did the Washington Capitals win a cup in 2010 or 2011 or 2012? Six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah, like all. When they were the top team every year in the regular season almost, right? And it look how long it took them to win a cup. Now, I know they made a lot of changes, but they still kept their basic core, right? They swapped out Carlson uh, for green. Yep. Or in Carlson yes. for green. Yeah. And and they had a different goaltender. And and sure, that was it. But like they didn't trade Ovechkin. Backstrom. Or, or Backstrom. Yeah. Or Kuznetsov. Like right. sometimes you just need to let teams gel and figure things out because they're not going to bond when they're winning in a regular season. You know what does bond them? Losing in the playoffs. Everyone hates us right now. Let's band together. Well, the, there's probably I know, that, I know. but also yeah. like you, you get you get closer with yes. people when you go through adversity. Yeah. I think this team just needs to go through a couple years, and then they've been through a couple years of losing in the playoffs, and I get that. But this is really the first one where, like, dude, you should have done it. You absolutely like, you had this. this. The others, whether it was uh, 2018 against Boston, where you were down three one, forced Game Seven, were leading going to the third and lost. You're like. That sucked. That was horrible. I we, But it wasn't, you know, you had it, but it wasn't really yours to have. In 2019, they could have closed it out in game six. But again, they maybe they were equals there. But Boston had home ice. Boston was the better team. But that's closer to equal. You lost game six when you could have closed it out, and you were pathetic in game seven. The Columbus thing, people, everybody weighs that differently. I put almost no weight on anything that happened in the bubble last summer. We've covered that. This one, you were the favorite. You were by far the better team. This one is absolutely the worst one, and it is a collapse. It is not the better team prevailing or the other one finally pulling it out of the fire. It's a collapse. And even going into game seven, I was thinking of both 2013 and 2018, 
where a way worse, not way worse, in 2013 it was way worse, in 2018, pretty good, but still pretty young team, was down 3-1 to Boston and forced them to Game 7, where Boston eventually prevailed. So going into Game 7 here, where we are clearly the better team, you're kind of going, all right, sometimes this happens, right? Sometimes the other guys, they play the game of their life, you got two overtime games, crazy shit happens, just close it out, it's fine. And they didn't. And the thing is, after the game, I'm foaming at the mouth, like most of Twitter, not posting most of it, but I want blood. And a buddy of mine who I've been watching the games with since I'm like 10 years old, texts me and goes, who's, I don't know, probably Matthews or Marner. Do you want to trade them? I don't think so, right? Like that's the point that you get to is the defense was good. The goaltending was good, right? And your top line didn't score. They got one goal in the entire series and that's the series, but I'm not sure I'm ready to give up on those guys. Like I said, I would consider just based on some body language stuff, I would consider trading any of them, but Marner is the one who is a winger making way too much. And I can remember saying this all the way back to 2017 with Rob on this podcast, and it hasn't really panned out, but I said, I'm not convinced that Willie doesn't, in the end, turn out to be better than Marner. I'm not saying that's the case right now, because Marner just put up what would be like a 104-point pace in a full season, and Willie didn't. Willie had a better playoffs than Mitch, but that was it. But the difference between those guys is not $4 million. Willie at 6.9, Mitch at 10.893. They are not $4 million different. Um, And so if someone wanted to take that guy and make you an interesting offer with another piece coming in, not pieces, not prospects and picks, a like a, a contributing right now top end piece I'd look at it, not because I'm desperate to get rid of them, but because it would change the mix a little, you know, it, it, it would, it would just change things up a little bit. And most likely there's no other winger other than Patrick Kane and Alex Ovechkin in that neighborhood. Maybe there's a reason for that. I don't want to trade Matthews because that's a legit number one superstar center. He's had two good playoffs. He's had two bad playoffs. We can talk, right? I hear you yawning back there. Don't, don't lose. You asked me, you got me all fired up. Did you up. hear that? Yeah, I Sorry. could hear that. You, There's you're the one who got you. me all I'm fired up. I'm just very tired. It's all right. I had a long day at work. I understand. Um, and Tavares, even if you wanted to, you're not trading. He's got a no move. He's 31. Like you're not trading $11 million. And you can't hang any of this on him. No. Like, Despite the fact that he came out at locker clean out day today saying, we, this, we didn't get it done. We didn't want to. Dude, probably wasn't you, right? Like, but that's what a captain does. That's what a leader does. Willie, you don't trade Willie at 7 million. That's a good deal. I swear to God. I swear to God, if they start talking about trading William Nylander after everything he did in these playoffs, I'm out for blood. (sighs) This is not happening. Willie did exact, Willie did more than what's asked of him at that salary Mm -hmm. in the playoffs. He was the only person yes. on that team aside from Jack Campbell who played up to his expectations. Uh, above he's, them. he's the only forward who played like I okay. thought Brody Fair. was fine. And honestly, I thought Morgan Riley was better than he'd been all year. I'd been 
ripping Morgan Riley all season for his defensive performance. I thought he was fine, but I, I know what you're saying. He was better than any other forward. Um, although Jason Spets at like nine minutes a night was yeah, also doing for his what part. He's paid, for Jesus, Jason Spets did more than what's asked of him. And yeah. if they're not talking about bringing him back for as long as he wants to stay there, then they're crazy. I just, I, I just don't know if this were any other market, we wouldn't be talking about trading their top six for any of their top six forwards. It doesn't happen overnight. You don't win a Stanley yeah. Cup overnight. You you put together, Kyle Dubas put together a fantastic hockey team on paper. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you can swap out the Nick Felinos and and you know the Joe Thorntons because I don't think he's coming back. I don't either. For other depth players, yes. like the bottom six will you, be completely different next year for sure. You keep your core together, I think so. and you teach them how to win together. It doesn't happen I overnight, so. especially in a 56 game season. This is a shortened season. And I, the road's I, gonna be I, harder not, next year, though, right? You're back with Boston, back with Tampa, back good. with Florida. Maybe they need that. Yeah, maybe. Well, like I the, just, I uh, think my it's only point ludicrous. there was it was never going to be easier than it was this year. No, no, that's fair. Yeah. And I, I think, if I'm being honest with you, I don't care who comes out of the North. They're I don't not either anymore. Past whoever they face. No, <laughs> no. And that was become like the the absolute hatchet job that Colorado is doing to anyone who falls in front of them right now yeah. is terrifying. They made uh, Vegas look silly. Honest to God. Like Vegas, one of the best regular yes. season teams in Didn't the, look like they it, even belonged in the same building. No. It's it's not it's not fair. It's I'm I, I don't know what's gonna happen with reseeding, but like I think it's Colorado or Tampa. Right. So I think if Toronto had gotten that far into that final four, I think they're getting hacked down hard by Tampa or Colorado or probably Carolina. And I don't know about the Boston Islanders thing, whatever. But this wasn't a cup winning team. And I I think earlier in the season, I might have thought maybe it might be, maybe they could hang with those guys. But the way everybody else ratcheted up in the playoffs and Toronto didn't, it was clear Toronto wasn't in that class. And if that's the case... You have no business having these 40-year-olds on your team anymore, right? You aren't fast enough. You weren't skilled enough. And you weren't going to be able to hang with them. Colorado was going to absolutely embarrass us if we had gotten matched up with them come the final four. But you were better than Montreal. And frankly, you were better than Edmonton and better than Winnipeg. You should have come out of this division. And then you can say... We took steps forward, right? Mm -hmm. And the really frustrating thing right now is that because all of these went uh, went to Game 7 and a Game 5 in, in the bubble last year to the max, and you won none of them, there is a narrative building with no killer instinct, and maybe it's real, maybe it's not, I, I don't know. But this is the first time you weren't the absolute favorite, but it is like the fifth or sixth time you've put your fans through this, and it feels yeah. awful, and they're fed up, right? They felt in all of those series like you had a chance because they did have a chance. Once you get to seven, anything can happen and you've been on the wrong side every time. So you're looking for change now. You're looking for something to something drastic to happen. I don't think if it's up to Shani and it's up to Kyle, I don't think drastic is coming. The one thing that isn't being talked about very much is where is ownership right now? There was no ticket money to be made this year. So you didn't piss away. It's basically like, I think one study I read said it's like $1.6 million a night per playoff game for MLSE um, per home night. Yeah. 
that wasn't on the table this year. So financially, they didn't take the hit that they would have. But where do these things start to tie together? When you're owned by Bell and Rogers, and Rogers owns Sportsnet, who was getting record numbers through that series, wants the Leafs playing, are the Rogers executives that are involved with MLSE screaming for big time change? Are they willing to give Shanny, who has been here for seven years as the president overseeing this now? That's not nothing. That's not an insignificant yeah. amount of time. Will they say, we don't trust this plan anymore. We don't believe in this anymore. If they fire Shanny, then all things are on the table. Dubis is probably gone. Maybe you go to more of a, a Lou type. He's not available, obviously, but if they bring Jim Rutherford in, do they go more old school, right? I think the ownership thing is the wild card right now. I do believe from all those press conferences and everything we just saw, that Shanahan and Dubas are committed to, and maybe they shouldn't be. Like, I got beefs with some of the stuff that the coaching staff did. The power play was awful. They didn't try Mitch, uh, separating Mitch from Austin at any point. They didn't put Willie on the top power play until game seven. I got time if you want to talk about the coaching, but it sounds like Dubas is committed to Keith. They're kind of tied at the hip, buddy, buddy. Doesn't sound like that's going to change, at least not based on these press conferences. But does ownership say, no, it's enough. That's enough. And uh, and move on to something else. I think Shanahan has successfully kind of rebuilt this into a respectable franchise, despite the completely disrespectful way we've bowed out the last couple yeah. of years. But that's that's on the table. Yeah, that's a really good point. I didn't think about the ownership thing. I would hope that, listen, changes are going to happen, but they better not happen to the big players. Is it, like I would hope that, Bell and Rogers would understand, hey, we're not the hockey. I realize I'm speaking very highly of hockey owners and <laughs> who knows what actually is going to happen. Um, maybe I'm too optimistic, but I would hope that they would say, listen, you know, we want to see changes, but we trust you to make those right changes. And I think that I think Dubas and Shani deserve at least at least one more season. I think one more is all they're getting. And that's that pisses me off. It's like it just it takes longer than this, and I know that it's a well, they're, they're a just game they're not, of inches. Like, and a, Willie's twenty five now. I think Mitch is twenty four, and Austin, if he's not yet, is right there, late twenty three. Like they're not as young as it seems, though. Anymore, but they've got three to four, five years even of like I think peak play. Yeah, bar oh injury. yeah, oh yeah, right. Although they like, Willie and uh, Willie and Austin only have. I think three years left on their deal. And that sounds like a lot, but it's really not right. Like if you blow it next year and then you make big changes that summer, that leaves one more run with Austin and whoever. And then all of a sudden you're going into his final year where you're not going to walk him to free agency. So either you have to lock him up or, um, trade him. So I know I'm talking way down the road. It's not, you don't get that many more kicks at the can, right? Before things get really interesting, really difficult. Man, you Leaf fans. I understand. Yeah, we are mentally destroyed. Destroyed. (laughs) And you're talking to me like less than 48 hours after the most recent destroying that I've endured. I'm so sorry. This is poor damaged damaged people. We are very damaged. This is it. And And I'm sure throughout the summer, as things trickle out, as things come to mind, as whatever, we'll have more 
leaf stuff to talk about and and maybe as the emotion calms down and all these sorts of things. But this one to me, it's not just that it was a 1-4 and they were the better team or whatever. This one is the most frustrating because I badly want things to get better and I badly want things to change, but I don't know what that is. I don't know if I was Kyle, what I would do, right? In previous years, God damn, Jake Gardner screwed us again. God damn, Freddie couldn't stop any. That was easy. And I guess that's what brings me back to my initial point. Maybe this is no more complicated than Mitch and, and Matthews didn't get it done. And out you go. I'll say this. You know what gives you a killer instinct? The anger that comes from losing in the playoffs. How many, can you tell me how many times you have to have that happen before? I hope, I hope we'll need this one. If you kick um, me in the nuts, I'm coming up swinging. I don't need five kicks in the nuts to come up Yeah, swinging. like maybe, maybe it's once, but like Crosby always talks about what's, you know, what's the most impactful moment in your career? And he says losing in 2008. Yeah. In the Stanley Cup final. What happened the next year? Yeah. They won the cup, right? So I, I want to see what happens next year with no major changes let this group rally let this group come together as a team mm-hmm. through adversity for one whole season and into the playoffs and then see what happens i got big pieces to deal with there zach hyman is one of them he's a ufa right now if you took zach hyman off that marner matthews line though what would happen i mean i guess it depends who you put there but one of them would have to go get the puck no i mean what would happen to <laughs> zach hyman would he be uh, oh, as- I don't know. No, of course not. This happens with Chris Kunitz, right? This happens with anybody who gets to ride with a couple Is of superstars. Is he a piece that you sell at a high value? Here's my... Well, he's, you don't get to sell. Is his contract up this year? Yeah, so he's okay. either back or Never he's mind. not. Here's my thing with Zach Hyman. He's making like 275 or something this year, and it's no. money well spent. Um, yeah, is he going to want to raise? He is going to want to raise. I do believe he would take a hometown discount to stay here. But to make do, that happen, you have to give him term. And he is exactly the type of player at exactly the age that you don't do that for, right? Yeah. He's He's got hard miles on him because he has those hard miles. He has difficult injuries. He wears down faster. Um, That's the problem with Zach Hyman. I think you could get him to stay at, you know, like I said, if he's at 275 now, he's probably able to get, I bet you, because in the last two years, in full seasons, he's on pace for like 30 goals a year. That's not nothing, right? 27, 28 goals for a player like that, you would take that. Edmonton is dying for a guy like that to play with one of their stars. He's going to get like five on the open market. Could you get it done at three and a half, three, seven, five over seven years? But you're going to hate, hate that deal in years four, five, six. That's the problem, right? Has he become Dustin Bufflin, Brendan Shaw, or Andrew Shaw, Brendan Sod? When Chicago's winning these cups, they kept having to shed important compliment pieces. Toronto hasn't won shit, and they're going to have to shed compliment pieces. Zach Hyman ain't coming back for 275. 
And I love Zach Hyman. I'd want to keep him. I'm not sure I'm willing to give him the term that it would take to balance out the lack of money, right? That, yeah. Uh, and that's going to be really interesting. And there's a bunch of those. Morgan Riley's only got one year left on his deal. You either need to re-sign him or trade him. You can't, that's not a piece you can walk to free agency. No, 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 no. So there's going to be changes. I, I think there's a lot of interesting stuff with Zach Hyman. Like I'm wondering now, you know, they'll probably sign him and I bring him so. back in some fashion. Makes but like, nervous. I just, I don't feel that he is like, if, if you're going to let someone walk or make a change, he would be that piece that sounds like a big change on the surface. Cause he's on your top line. Yeah. But he's not a big change. Like I, I, I with well, all due respect also, to Zach Hyman, I think he's a journeyman. Like I, I don't think he is. He as just plays in a way that we don't have. Yeah, but you could find another Zach Hyman. Well, I hope maybe, so. maybe on the free agent market, maybe in a trade. I don't know, but I think I think that's a kind of player you can easily bring in. It breaks my heart, but I think you might be right. I think you might have to let him because I'm not willing to give him the money that it would take to do short term. And I'm yeah. not willing to give him the term that it would take to get that cap hit down. He might be a casualty that just has to go. And then you can go to your bosses and say, hey, look at the change we made. We brought in this guy and, and this guy's <laughs> gone. And it's just one more piece that you can say, hey, look what we did. Right. And I don't think it makes all that big. I, I get that he plays very well with Marner and Matthews. And I get that he plays a style that is is fitting for those players. Mm-hmm. But I think you can also find that style elsewhere for probably the same price you're yeah, paying him now. You do kind of maybe in a younger a little player for your own guy. You do pay a little for the popularity. You do maybe you just he's one of those guys who's got to go. I'm saying it's, it might be worth exploring, but uh, I think <laughs> I think I think we we let you. Uh, did you feel this better? Was this like a good no. therapy session? No, okay. this is like when the therapist goes, "Our time is up." Our time is up for today. We did some good things here today, Matthew. I'm feeling really good about our it's session. It's been today. 37 years of this. My time That'll be 350 dollars, uh... please. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I listen. It sucks, and, and I'm, I'm not going to pile on. I've been there, and it sucks big time. Um, that's that's all I got, man. This 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 stupid team. This stupid team that just won't let its fans be happy. If they'd have gotten um, swept by the Jets, I think I'd have been fine. If I, they, yeah, that's the my next I question. If, if they had won gotten, one playoff series, I think would you I'd be, okay? be okay. Yeah, just show me at least something. They did the thing. Just show me something that you were making progress. Yeah. Here's to next year, Matt. Here's to Friday Here's the at 6 p.m. on TS10 1200. She's got There game. you go. There's some light at the end of the tunnel for all my Leafs fan friends. You get to hear more of me. Um, I think that's pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good for today. Anything else you wanted to hit on? Anything else? You know, cl- skeletons you want to get out of your closet? or? Oh, that's a dangerous door to open. So <laughs> that's for next session. Yeah, exactly. Um, TSN radio this weekend. She's got game. Michaela Schreider and Robin Flynn. Robin Flynn, you got on it. The, uh, on the show, and it will be podcasted. You can check it out wherever you want. And like I said, Friday morning, TCA episode 838. Their pal, Amy Burke, as she's gearing up for Tokyo. Good stuff ahead. As I'm I, excited for that. As I work my way through all kinds of other things. I need these distractions in my life, so I'm not left yep, focusing there on you go. Keep what busy. second line Nick Felino looked like this year. <laughs> Oh man, that's good stuff ahead. Thing. Yeah. 
Uh, thank you so much for listening. As always, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at TallCanAudio, Facebook.com slash TallCanAudio. You can find me on Twitter at Shrides, S-C-H-R-E-I-D-S. And you can find my craft beer takes on Instagram at Crafted in the Capital. And we will see you next time on TallCan Audio. I'm sad. I am unhappy with the confusing and at times confrontational nature of that meeting. I wanted it to go better. I wanted it to go better!